got something to do, you do it. You won't hurt us none. Book of Leviticus, 16th chapter. Book of Leviticus. Third book in the Bible. A book of law. A book uh, that is challenging and difficult sometimes to read. What chapter, brother? 16th chapter of the book of Leviticus. 16th chapter of the book of Leviticus. I'll give you all a minute to turn there. Leviticus 16th chapter. We're going to begin reading in the first verse. My Bible has a title here. And yours might as well. Mine is titled, The Day of Atonement. Atonement means the day to pay up, to make it right. Uh, when we atone uh, for our sins, we are making them right. We're Amen. paying up. When uh, the bills are due, uh, you have to atone for those things. Thank you. You have to pay the bills. When you do wrong in this life, you have to atone for what you've done. You, you may have to serve uh, a time in prison and atone for what you've done wrong. So God in his great mighty wisdom uh, made a way of atonement. Uh, when, when we come to this earth, we were made, the Bible tells us, in his image. We were made uh, to be taken care of and to worship God above. When Adam and Eve was put in the garden, that's where they were meant to be. Amen. But man chose a different route. Man chose a way of choosing his own desires and choosing to seek out his own knowledge and sin come into man's life. And at that point when sin come in, there had to be a way of atonement. The Bible tells us that Adam and Eve, once they knew uh, that they were naked, that they were ashamed of themselves. In other words, uh, they realized they had done wrong. The Bible says that they went and hid themselves in the garden. They didn't even want God to see them. Uh, they wanted to stay hid. They wanted to stay in the cover of the, of the foliage, of the trees and leaves. Think about that just for a moment. When we sin, how we'd like to just stay hidden in that sin. We, we don't want uh, the world to know. We, we want to, you know, there's a reason uh, that a lot of uh, evil deeds go done in the dark. Y'all think about that? There's a reason uh, that, that the shadier, that's what we call it, right? You ever think about that? The shadier places of the world are full of darkness. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, and so they stayed hidden in that world. But, but what they had was their shame and their guilt. They had their sin. And as long as they stayed within that shade, they could not have atonement. Now, see, that's what's going on in the world today is that we got a lot of people living in sin and they have no atonement. So they're never made right. They live in that guilt. God come down and he began to search for them. He called for them. I always like that part. He called for them. He, it, it's not hard for God to find you, okay? And he knows exactly where you're at. Uh, but yet he called for them. He, he didn't go right to where they were. He allowed them the opportunity to come to where he was. Now I want y'all to get that and get a hold of that now. Uh, God isn't going to come and live on earth. And there's people preaching and teaching that. Now Jesus lives in my heart, but this ain't God's home. Amen. The Bible says all this will pass away. Yeah. There will be a new place. 
God dwells in heaven on the throne, and he always will be on the throne. Uh, the kingdom, uh, now don't let anybody confuse you, the kingdom is not now. Amen. Now, he's ruling and reigning, and he has authority and control, but God sits on a throne above. Uh, Brother Josh read the scripture says that Jesus is right there at his hand uh, making intercession with him. That's where he's at. He's not here with us, uh, but he's up there. But he calls us, hear me now, he calls us that we might have an opportunity to get from where we're at to where he's at. That's what he did for Adam and Eve. He called them and said, where were y'all at? Y'all usually here. And now he knew where they were at and he could have went to them. But they needed to come to him. Amen. In the scripture in Leviticus, we'll get there in just a minute. It's a talking about sacrifices. There was a place to go to to get the sacrifice done. There was a place to go to get the atonement. There were some things that you had to do uh, to get right in line with God. So he calls to them, right? And he says, where are you? Well, they come to him. And, he, and they, they, they're ashamed. And he says, well, who told you? Uh, that you were naked. He, who told you that you had sinned in that way? He knew what they had done, but what did he want them to do? He wanted them to confess their sins. That's what he wanted. You see, what I'm trying to tell you is we're looking back at some old scripture testament. We're looking at some old things, but in some old things, you'll learn the character of who God is so that you can apply them in Jesus in the New Testament. That's what happens here. So we're going to get there in just a minute, but I want you to see something happen. God, the Bible tells us that at that point on, that, that he did something. He, he actually made clothing for them. And, and something had to happen. An animal had to die in order for them to receive clothing. And then the skins were used for clothing. At that point, blood was shed. Are y'all with me? There was a price to pay for their sins. And from that point, the first sin required blood. And ever sin since then has required blood. There must be a payment. There must be an atonement. We spoke about Sunday school, and there's so many things as we've talked in Sunday school come through my mind as I was reflecting on the scripture. So many things. But, but there is a judgment and a justice that must be had because God is perfect in all his ways. Amen. And if you're going to go from a place of imperfection to a place of perfection, you must meet the requirements. So Leviticus chapter 16, let's read there. We'll get into the scripture and we'll do our best to try to bring some things out of the scripture. This is how it had to be done before Christ. This was in the old days, if you will. Verse 1, Leviticus 16. And the Lord spake unto Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered before the Lord and died. I want you to hear something. There was a way that they had of offering sacrifice. Aaron's two sons were in charge of it. But they died. They passed away. There is out now a new uh, person who must take on that task. And so the Lord has given Moses the instruction. Verse 2, And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brethren, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil, before the mercy seat which is upon the ark, that he die not. For I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. I want you to get the picture. They got this uh, tabernacle. They got this tent. It's got an inner room uh, they called the Holy of Holies. It's the innermost room. You would have to go through a couple of levels to get to it. It's separated by a really, really thick layer of material. 
uh, called the veil that separates it from all the other spots. And inside of it is where the Ark of the Covenant resides. And God said to them, I will be in there. Now you ask yourself a question. Now I know you're going to ask yourself a question. I ask myself a question. If you didn't, you'd shame when you should think about these things. Why is God in there? Why is God in there? Well, can I tell you that if God come out on all them, they wouldn't have lasted. Amen. Think about this now. He said, tell him not to go in there all the time because I'll be in there. And if he comes in there, he'll die. In other words, until you get atonement, for your life until your sins can be forgiven, you can't get to God. Amen. You cannot get to heaven on your works. Amen. You can't. Why? Because your sins still need atonement. Mm -hmm. Somebody has to pay the price. Somebody has got to pay the price. And he said, tell him not to come in here just whenever he wants to. Tell him not to come at all times because I'll be in there. Now, God desires to be with us. Hear me again. Y'all shout on that moment. Just hear God desires to be with us. We don't deserve that. And man, they never deserved that. The first two beings that he created that he walked with in the garden, uh, they went out and turned their back on him. They didn't deserve what he did for them. They didn't deserve for him to come back. But God, in his great love, come back to them and said, I still want to be with you, but there's going to have to be an atonement. And so here he's saying, tell him not to just come in there. I'll be in there. I want to be near you, but there's a way to do it. Can I tell you today that there's still a way to get to God? Amen. Amen. I heard somebody say, he's still in the saving business. I heard that said just the other day. Uh, Brother Josh posted, God is not dead. He's, he is still alive. Can I tell you, there's still a way to get to him. Now, the world's claiming he just ain't alive. He just ain't real. But I'm telling you today, God desires to be with us if we would just desire to be with him. Amen. He wants to come in here. Now, 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 now hear me. He wants to come and set his spirit on us. And us have just the services uh, that we just couldn't handle. So if we desire, God still wants to be with his people. Man. And he wanted to be with his people here. Verse 3 says, Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place with a young bullock for a sin offering, and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat, and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh, and shall be girded with a linen girdle, and with the linen mitre shall he be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water, and so put them on. Can I tell you today that there is a right way to go to God? And you ought to prepare yourself. Now, you say, well, Pastor, we're reading in the book of Leviticus, and that's the law. We don't live under the law. We live under grace. Praise the Lord we live under grace, because ain't none of you, and I couldn't do it, live under the law. Praise the Lord. You're absolutely right. We live under grace. But can I tell you, the Old Testament is the character of who God is. And so in those days, this was the only way Jesus hadn't come. He hadn't paid the ultimate sacrifice. And so they had to come before him. But there's still some good things in there we can learn. Amen. Notice what he said to him. He said he needs to put on the right stuff. Can I tell you the reason we come to church dressed the way we do? And let me tell you this. If somebody comes in here wearing, wearing clothes that don't look like they're fit for the house of God, I'm not sending them out. Not unless they're causing the scene and distracted from God's holy work. I'm not. Why not? Because they need the Lord. Man. But those of you who know the Lord ought to treat him with reverence. Man. 
I can get a lot of amens on that one. That's all right. I appreciate that, brother. Over, amen. We ought to treat God with reverence. Why? Because he's God. He hadn't changed from that point in the scripture to today's point in the scripture. We ought to reverence God. I'm not telling you that you can't wear overalls to church. I know people, that was the best they had. And that's what they wore every Sunday to church years ago. I, I know, man, he's going on to be with the Lord. My, my great-grandfather, I know, he wore overalls many times in church. That don't bother me. What he got to church with was his best. When you come to church this morning, did you come with your best? Both outside and on the inside. Notice what he said to him. He said, you got to come ready. He said, uh, wash yourself. We ought to come ready to meet with God. We ought to come into his house prepared to meet God. Both exterior and on the interior. Amen. We ought to come ready to meet with God. Verse 5. And he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself, listen, and for his house. Now I want you to hear me just for a minute. And there's some young men in the house. There's some of you older ones. I did just have a birthday, Brother Josh did point that out. I'm a little getting on the older side. I'm somewhere right in the middle, somewhere there. Can I tell you, young men and older men, that you have a responsibility? Can I tell you that there is a way for you to make atonement for yourself? Amen. Salvation is a personal experience and you won't save your family. But there is something important about leading your family. Amen. He had to go in and make a, a sacrifice for himself that he might be purified. But it said not only for him, but for his family. Amen. Today we have, we have this missing gap of men in churches leading their families. It's missing. More women go to church than do men. There's a problem with that. Can I tell you today, God wants to be with his people, but men, if we're not leading our families there, we're coming short. Amen. Amen. We're coming short. If we're not taking our families, teaching them to pray, leading them by life, we're coming up short. And I'm telling you, you're going to send them in a bad direction if you don't let God lead and you follow Amen. That's hard preaching. I'm sorry. Just going to tuck it in. Church, we can't be a hat. Uh, we've had a lot of people say, well, y'all doing some good things. We've had, had it said today. We're excited about what God's doing in this church. So am I. But if God ain't leading us and we ain't following, we ain't going the right direction. Right. Amen. We can put on the bells and whistles and we can look good and shiny on the outside, but if it ain't right on the inside, it ain't worth having. Right. Amen. So, so here he says uh, he had to go in and make it right with himself long before he could do the work for anybody else. Yeah, y'all stay with me. We're going somewhere. I know it's Leviticus, and y'all, I know I say half of it. Just shut down. He's in that law. That's terrible reading. This is good reading. You just stay with me, man. You'll see how God is. You'll see a merciful, gracious God that you don't deserve. You'll see a love that sends to you that nobody else could give in a just and powerful God. Look here, he says to him, he says he's got to go in there and he's got to make atonement. Verse 7, and he shall take the two goats. Now, now, a lot of times when we talk about sacrifices, 
we think about the spotless lamb. Amen. Uh, most of the pictures that you'll see and references will be to that spotless lamb. Uh, but I want you to know that what he chose here when he was talking about the atonement of the sin of his people was a regular, ordinary old goat. It wasn't worth probably a whole lot. Didn't mean a whole lot to him. It wasn't a bull. It wasn't an ox. It wasn't something mighty or powerful. It was a plain, ordinary goat. Can I tell you, God knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly what you need. He knows what kind of atonement you need. And he picked out goats to represent the atonement of your sins. The Bible says that they would be presented before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation in verse 8. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats. One lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. Now, if you ain't ever read and preached, heard preaching on the scapegoat, you just hold on just a minute. Amen. I'm telling you, there's something good written here. We know what a scapegoat is, right? Scapegoat's often used as somebody who takes on the punishment of another, even though they didn't do it, right? Somebody that gets all the blame, but they're not guilty. Somebody who takes on a crime, maybe, and the convicted of a crime, but they're not really guilty of that crime. They were innocent, but they become the scapegoat. Y'all follow me? Y'all know what a scapegoat is. That's a common word in our dialect today. He said one goat will be the Lord's, and the other will be the scapegoat. Verse 10 says, But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. Skip down to verse 20. Skip down to verse 20. The Bible says, And when he had made an end of reconciling the holy place, that means he had made it clean, he had made himself clean, and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. Now I want you to see something. There was a price to be paid. The price was in the first goat. The price was in the first goat. Sin requires blood every time. Boy, you don't like to preach about blood. That, that just don't make me feel real good. Without the blood, there can be no remission of sins. Amen. Without the blood, you and I don't make it to heaven. Without the blood, we're not getting there. Amen. That first goat had to be sacrificed. I want you to know your sin required a blood offering. And we don't think about that a lot when we're sinning. And we don't. Right? That your sin, my sin, required a blood offering. Blood had to be spilled because of you and I. I don't deserve that. It ought to have been me on that cross. And it ought to have been you. We don't deserve that. That first goat didn't make it. First goat had to be killed. This, this ritual was done <coughs> once a year, every year. Once a year, every year for the forgiveness of the nation. Can I tell you, as long as they, I believe this with all my heart, as long as they did this ritual, I believe those people were protected. Somebody said, well, what about the Jews? Because the Bible kind of teaches that, that in the end they'll be saved. I believe God reconciled them when they followed after him. I believe they've been reconciled under this covenant. But why? Because it's what God established for them. But it says, when he had made an end of the reconciling, that he shall bring the live goat. Look at verse 21. 
And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat. And he shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. Now, y'all get the picture, right? So they bring this goat. And they begin to put their hands on it. And they begin to confess and say, Oh Lord, we didn't do this. And we didn't do that. Oh Lord, we did do these things. And that wasn't pleasing in your sight. And they begin to confess. Oh Lord, we didn't go into battle when you told us to go in battle. We were too afraid. Oh Lord, we let our enemy come in our camp. Oh Lord, so and so uh, down the road there, uh, they, they brought iniquity and sin into the camp and we didn't get them out of our lives and we kept them around when we didn't do the things. They had to confess them all. Are y'all with me? Every one of them. Into this scope. But I want you to see something now. The Bible says that all of them were put upon the goat. And then they were sent away. They were sent away. Now, now, now it says there that they got a fit man. And I always, I like that because what it's telling me is, is that they got somebody strong. Somebody in good shape. Probably a young man who was able to run a long distance. Are y'all following me? He, he was able to get alongside that goat and say, all right, goat, we're going a long way from here. The Bible says that it was to return no more. In other words, they needed to carry this goat so far out into the wilderness that it could never return back to the village. Never. Why? Well, that goat's carrying what? Their sins. They don't want that back in the village. Why? Because they want to be free from them. They want to have uh, this reconciliation. They want to be made right. So they're going to take this goat with all this sin and and they're going to give it to this young man. And he's just going to take off and run out to the wilderness as far as he can run. Until he gets so far out there that that goat will never, ever make it back. And then he's going to return back and that goat will never come back. So I want you to see the picture here that God painted for, for, our, for our forgiveness. Uh, for our atonement, this is what he says. He says, one, a sacrifice must be made. And two, another, another must carry your sin, your burden, in order for you to be atoned. It says, verse 22, And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited, and he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. It's not coming back. The Bible teaches us about what? When God forgives sin, what does he do? He casts it, you know, as far as the east is from the west. Why? Never to be remembered. No more. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm sure excited that God said, Brian, I can forgive you, but I can forgive you to the point where your sins no longer in my eyes exist. But it requires a sacrifice and a scapegoat. And so they did that every year. Not at all times. Remember what it said? Not at all times. But every year, they would make that sacrifice. And every year, every year, one goat died, one goat, what's the scapegoat? Turn the book of Hebrews, chapter 9. Hebrews, chapter 9. 
verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 9 says, But Christ, being come or becoming a high priest of good things to come. You see, that's what Aaron was. He was the high priest. Only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest could go in there and converse and sacrifice to God directly. And so Hebrews chapter 9 shares with us and tells us, but Christ has become our high priest of good to things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle. Uh, the more perfect tabernacle is the one not made by human hands. It's one made by God's hands. He says, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Neither listen to this by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctify to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. You see, Jesus become a, the high priest. He took over the high priest position. Remember what it said about the high priest? It said he had to be fit. He had to be ready. He had to be clean. Jesus took on that spot so that you and I could make it back to him. You remember, remember now, God come calling. God come calling, but it took a blood sacrifice for us to make it back. And it just wasn't working. And we weren't going to make it. And I'm telling you right now, Jesus hadn't come. I don't know this world to be standing. If it is, we'd all be headed for hell. And we'd probably be living like it. Amen. I'm just telling you right now, without the love of Jesus in my heart and life, I wouldn't be this person. And you wouldn't either. I'm telling you, when Jesus comes in, He makes a difference. He changes who we are. I'm excited today because I know Him. Amen. I can't imagine what it would be like for those people living through that year, waiting for that time when they might be forgiven. What if, what if, what if this? Think about this. What if you sin today and you just said, oh man, they just had that, uh, that redemption thing just last week. I'm going to have to wear this thing out for the rest of the year. Think about that. Amen. But you don't have to do that because he become a perfect high priest to bring you back to God by his own blood. Praise the Lord. Amen. So he become the high priest. But he didn't just become the high priest. He become the ram, the bull that had to shed its blood, and the two goats. He become both. Listen to me now. Amen. Without the spilling of blood, there can be no remission of sins. Amen. There can be no forgiveness. Goat one had to die. Goat one had to die. Why? Because of you and I. You and I, Jesus, had to die because of you and I. Amen. There had to be a price to be paid. God is a perfect God. And in His system must be perfection. And so there had to be blood spilled. And so, and so what happens is, is Jesus said, Lord, ain't none of them can do that. The Bible tells us, and we read it in the book of Revelations, they looked all over. They looked above. They looked under the earth. They looked on the earth, and they found nobody worthy to become what Jesus was, which was both the priest and the sacrifice. And that's what he did for you and I. His blood had to be spilled. Some people say, well, why, why did he have to die? Why couldn't he 
have just come, took over this world, and made it right. He's God. He can do anything. God don't live outside himself. And the Bible says that God does not lie. Are you with me? God will not lie. God created a system of spilling blood, and it will last and has lasted and will bring us back to him. Amen. There had to be a price to be paid. Jesus had to die. But not only did Jesus have to die and shed his blood as a perfect, sinless lamb, but he also was the scapegoat. And we talked about it a little bit. I do not know what it must have been like to have bear the sin of every one of us. I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine what that must have been like in that moment. Hanging on the cross. What it felt like. You think you know what pain feels like. You know what it hurts to lose a loved one. You know what it feels like when you grieve. You say people. Some of the most uh, tragic emotions man feels. Are intense senses of pain. And intense emotions of grief. Amen. I, I remember a time. I had a friend. And her and her mother. But were heading to a ball game. She was a cheerleader. She was a young lady. And a drunk driver hit their car. And they both perished in that. I remember her grandmother to this day etched in my mind as those two caskets sat there in the church. And her grandmother wept with bitter tears over the loss of her granddaughter. A wailing and a moaning that haunts my ears. I'm telling you, there is a moment in the, in the grief that is beyond tragic, amen. There are people in intense pain. The other times that you think of people feeling great emotion and, and they just scream out in pain. Can I tell you that those two things do not compare to the weight of every sin that every man had ever committed? None of us could have withstood it. The picture in Leviticus says that the high priest put his hands on the goat's head and began to confess them. That's the picture. Are y'all with me? Jesus become the high priest and the goat. What does that say? It says he was both man and God, right? Y'all with me? Stay, stay with me just for a moment. I'm about to close. He's both man and God. And on himself, he began to condemn himself with every sin, every sin, every sin, every sin, every sin. Every sin. The Bible says in one place he cries out. He cried out to God. He, do you know why he cried out? Because the weight of every sin he was bearing in that moment. But at his death, the blood price was paid. And at his resurrection, it was carried away to never be remembered no more. Praise God today for scapegoat Jesus. Amen. There's a reason why he can... Listen, you're telling me God Almighty can forget something. He can't forget something. He's God. Except he created a way. He created a way to pardon you and I. He created a way when we were hiding in the shady places of life. When you weren't even thinking about him, he was thinking about you. When you had no desire to get out of your pitiful shape, 
He had the desire to come and meet where you were at. When you didn't even know you was lost and undone, he knew you needed to be found. When you didn't even know what it took uh, to get right with God, he knew what it took to get you back to him. When you weren't even thinking about a Savior, the Savior was thinking about you. Praise God that he loves us so much that he become, he become the priest. He become the goat that would sacrifice its life. And he become the scapegoat so that our sins might be forgiven and remembered no more. Amen. 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 That's a God that we serve. That's what Jesus Christ is. And here's the beautiful thing. You ain't got to go to an altar. You ain't got to go to any special place. He'll come to where you're at. And he'll call. He'll call your name. And he'll say, listen, I'm looking for you. I'm looking for you. I remember as a child what it felt like when I was lost and undone. My heart beat out of my chest. I didn't know what I needed to do. I didn't know the right things to say. But I knew more than anything. I was over there in the shady places. I was over there in the hidden parts. And I needed to get to where he was at. He had come to me. He had died for me. He had paid my debts. All I had to do was come to where he was at. I want you to know salvation the easiest thing I ever done. Easiest thing I've ever done, and the hardest thing to come out of the shadows. That first step may have been the hardest step I ever took. That that moment when I raised my hand and said, I'm lost, and then the hardest thing I've ever done, and the best thing I've ever done. I didn't know what words to say. Oh, Lord, save me, save me. I believe I said over and over again. But all I had to do was turn towards Him, come His way, because He had already paid the price. What a loving Savior we have. What an atonement we have. And as Hebrews told us, it's a more perfect atonement. You ain't got to do it again. Anybody want to tell you something about getting saved again? You've been lost, and then you got saved, and then you got out in the world, and you need to get saved again? Let me tell you right now, you can't do that. Amen. I just want to tell you the truth. You can't do it. Why can't you do it? I've seen people live terrible lives. Yes, they have, but they can't undo the work of a, a perfect, the work of the perfect Savior. They can't undo what He done. Amen. Amen. He's already done the work. Amen. Once that blood's applied, it's there for good. He don't have to go back. You telling me He'd have to die again? Because that's what you're saying, and the Bible backs this up. That's what you're saying. If you think you can get saved again, you had to get saved one time. Amen. Now you need to live like it after that. Amen. You need to repent, and you need to come back to. Him. Bible's got a story for that. It's called Prodigal Son. It'll tell you all about it. Amen. There's a way, but at no point did the prodigal never was he never the son. Matter of fact, he tried it. He come back. He said, "Oh no, I'm not worthy, Father. I'm not worthy uh, to be your, called your son any longer. Let me be as one of the servants. I'll be all right there." And he said, "Oh no, uh, you're my son. You were always my son. Once you're saved." You're always the fathers, amen. You're always the fathers. Aren't you glad this morning that you ain't out having to sacrifice? Think about it now. And they, oh, that's a gross thing. To th yeah, it is. I'm so thankful that he made a perfect way for you and I to get from where we're at to where he's at. I'm so thankful that he come. When I went looking, he come my way. This morning, you, you may not be saved. You may have never accepted him as your Savior. Can I tell you this morning, right now, he made a way for you. And he would have made that way for you if you was the only one. The Bible tells the story of a lost sheep. 
And the Bible says, what shepherd would not leave the flock and go find the one? You know what that tells me? The heart of Jesus is this, that he would have died if it had just been you. We said this morning already that he knows your name. And when you confess him, he confesses you to the Father. Amen. I believe at that point in time, when you got saved, that he, he sat there and he pulled the book out and the angels began to shout inside and he called out your name. He said, Father, this one's mine. And he put it in that book. You're sealed at that point. If you've never been saved, here's the easy thing. He's already made the way. You just got accepted. You just got accepted. The Bible says, go. Confess him. Confess that he's Lord, save your life. Confess your sins. There's not no uh, secret magic to it. I'm telling you, you come to an old-fashioned altar. You bow down where you're at, and he'll save you. Amen. But now I want to say one more thing to us Christians. I believe we abuse the blood of Christ. I believe we abuse it. We take him for advantage. We, we, we live like we're not one of his and then come in and expect it to be everything to be okay. Now, I want to read verse uh, 14 of Hebrews 9 one more time for you. Verse 14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, listen, to purge your conscience from dead works. Now, you ought to have something inside of you that says, hey, you shouldn't do this. If, if you can sin, and you know what it is, and not feel bad about it, your conscience is seared. It's been burnt. It's like a, a somebody who's been in a tragic accident and they've been burned so to the point that their nerves no longer have any sensitivity and they can't feel. They don't know that they're touching something. They don't feel anything. That's what the Bible teaches us. Uh, a person who has a seared conscience means they've sinned over and over again until they've become dull and numb to it. But the Bible teaches us that his work is such a great work that we should not fall into that. That our consciences should be purged from our dead works to serve a living God. Amen. I can tell you right now, there's many Christians letting God down. And many Christians right now out in the world, living as the world lives. We can't do that, church. We can't do that. And when we do, we ought to repent. We ought to come back. I'm telling you, there's a danger. There's a danger that you'll get so far away that the best hope you have is the Lord take you out of this world. Hear me, I'm telling you the truth now. The best thing that could happen to you is the Lord take you from this place so that he might save your soul and destroy the flesh. Now you're not, when you're, when you're saved, you're no longer yours. The Lord purchased you. He paid the price for you. Amen. And so therefore, he, he says, well, my investment here is I need to save the soul and destroy the flesh. Amen. And he'll do that. And I believe we've seen it happen to people. I believe you spend some time talking to some people in church been there a long time. And they'll tell you stories of people that used to be in church. And they'll tell you sad, tragic stories of what happened in their life. I can tell you some stories myself of people who served God for a while. And then the Lord took them out of here because they had served their conscience and they had followed after their own flesh. I'm thankful this morning that I have a loving Savior. 
when I couldn't go to him, he came to me. Come get a verse of song. You may need to pray. You've never been saved. You have a special invitation to come and pray this morning. Somebody will be here with you. They'll pray with you. There's no special magical words for you to say. You just talk to God. Tell him what you want. He'll hear your heart.